Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. Before I kick into this week's episode, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Bold Darling. If you don't know about Bold Darling, Bold Darling is my group membership model for female entrepreneurs, and it is just about to turn one. On the 1st of April, it will be one year old, which is so exciting. And the reason I started Bold Darling is that I could see an epidemic of stressed out, burnt out female entrepreneurs. And I know from my one-on-one mentoring that it doesn't need to be like that. So I created Bold Darling and it's really for business owners who know that business is about more than business. It's about, of course, sales, finance, marketing, operations, but it's also about energy management and mindset and spirituality. It's about knowing that it is possible to build a successful business without sacrificing yourself in the process. The program runs on a monthly curriculum model and each month members have a masterclass with me and also an expert workshop with a guest speaker from my little black book of contacts. We also have two group mentoring sessions a month, so a tutorial where we unpack all the lessons from my masterclass and at the end of the month, a progress and celebration session, which is where we really take the time to pause and dive into what the learnings have been and the biggest insights that we want to bring forward into the next month and beyond. Doors for Bold Darling only open twice a year and they are just about to open next week. So please do stay tuned over the next couple of weeks with all the excitement of Doors opening. And part of that launch, what the launch will actually be kicking off with is my three-day personal brand journey. It's called The Show Up and it is happening next Wednesday, the 29th of March, and it's running until Friday, the 31st of March. So if you appreciate, like I do, and I'm very passionate about this point, that really building our personal brands enables us to build our businesses, please do join me for the show up. You can register at bolddarling.com forward slash show up. Now let's kick in to my guest this week on the show. Finance, especially for business owners, can be the most stressful part of the entrepreneurial journey. I know I've had my fair share of 2am panics about cash flow, mounting invoices and revenue pipelines. My guest on the show this week knows that finance angst well, having struggled with the financial management of her business for many years, even not paying herself for 14 years. After navigating the shitstorm of COVID in her business, she then turned her attention to staging a financial turnaround for the business. Tamara Scamperlino is the owner of a Sydney dance studio and is also a founding member of my Bold Darling mentoring group. 
In our conversation this week, she shares in raw detail the challenges she has experienced with finance in her business and the step-by-step of what she did to turn a pretty tough situation around. I absolutely love having Tamara in the Bold Darling group. I've also gotten to mentor her one-on-one as well, as we'll talk about in our conversation. And something I absolutely adore and respect and honor in Tamara is the fact that she is a shower-upper. She really commits to her own learning, her own development. And I am just so grateful to her for sharing her story. And I know that finance is not an easy topic to talk about in business or beyond. So I just really want to say thank you to you, Tamara, for being so generous with your experience, because I know that it will help so many business owners what you are sharing with us this week. So let's dive into myself and Tamara's conversation. Hi, Tamara. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lorraine. Thanks for having me again. Again, I'm so excited because I've got this kind of rolling rhythm. So every four weeks, it's a conversation with a Bold Darling member. And if I'm really honest, these are the ones that I really look forward to, like the episodes I look forward to the most because it's getting to share the amazing stories that each of you have. So yeah, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you. And you're obviously a founding member of Bold Darling. So you've been in the group since it started almost a year ago now. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I'm a founding member of you of your brand because I've followed you for so long. Like yeah, we have because so we've worked one on one together before Bold Darling. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited to have you on because you're talking about the absolutely stupendous financial turnaround that you have had in your business. And as I know, I've experienced and mem- many members of the Bold Darling exper- community have experienced the finances are the stuff that's the 2 a.m. stuff, you know, the stuff that keeps you up angsting about the thing. I feel like the money side of things is it can be the most challenging part of starting and running a business. So I'm really, really grateful to you for coming on today because just the little snippets that you share with me as part of the Bold Darling sessions, I've just been so excited for you in terms of the turnaround that you have created for yourself in the business. So I'm really, really excited to get into this topic. So thank you. Now, I know you very well. Most listeners probably won't know you as well as I do. Can you share a little bit about your background before starting your business? Because, of course, you're a dance teacher. You own a dance studio, which we'll get into in a few minutes. But can you give us a bit about your background before you actually got into the space? Yeah. So I've been a dancer my whole life, like nothing else, just dance. Mum put me into dancing at about five because I was so shy. And, yeah, I kind of it just brought me out of my shell. I loved dance growing up. That was it was my happy place. It was where I was about six days a week, all day Saturdays, usually Sunday rehearsals. It was nonstop dance. You know, some of my best friends were from dancing and I was given a lot of performance opportunities through my dance school. We were more focused on shows and performances rather than Stanford's and competitions. So we were always on stage. I don't know if you watched the carols in the domain, but the kids I that have dance, seen it. Yeah. So that's the dance school that I went to. So oh, I grew up doing wow. that every year. So things like that were just, they really shaped me and my future career. So yeah, when I was about 15, 16, I started teaching at my dance school. And then as soon as I finished high school, I got my first job as a dancer overseas working in Taiwan, of all places. How did that come about? Mm. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. And I was able to go. How did the Taiwan one come about? Like, why Taiwan? Just through contact here in Sydney, a lady that I danced for, Diane Heaton, yeah, just made the phone call and she said, okay, I've got this gig in Taiwan. Do you want to go? Yeah, sure. 
So I went with a couple of friends and yeah, it was about three and a half months. And yeah, it was pretty full on for a first overseas gig, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, I did a few things here in Australia. So I danced at Jupiter's Casino, which is now the star on the Gold Coast. Yes. I did two shows there, one when I was was really young, about 18, 19. And then again, I went back, gosh, I would have been in my 20s, sort of mid-20s the second time I went back. And then in between that, I was overseas and I did cruise ships. I did musicals in London and America, random things around Europe, (laughs) as you do. And yeah, then I came home. I really missed my family. It's hard to be away for so long. How long were you away for all of my dear? I think about 10 years. Wow. So you're basically living in a suitcase. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd come home in between contracts, especially on the ship. I think I did about five years on board. So every six months, we'd have a two-week holiday, come home, see the family, go back. But yeah, I did. I lived out of a suitcase. I had all my meals made for me from when I moved <laughs> home, which is why I don't cook All now. your laundry done for you, I would imagine, as laundry, well. Laundry, yep. Yeah. So, you know, the easy life. It was, it feels like a different life. Yeah. I was just thinking it's almost like you're on a completely different track to what most of the world is doing, isn't it? So different. I really miss those days, but it just feels like a different person. Mm. Doesn't feel like me anymore. But, you know, I was able to do those jobs with my best friend for most of them, which was amazing. And then I met my husband when I was working on ships and, you know, that was 20 years ago. So, And was that part of the reason to get out of that whole space, to stop the traveling because you had met him? Yes and no. I mean, coming home didn't mean that he came home with me because he's Italian and he wasn't able to just move here very Mm -hmm. easily. We did long distance for a long time. We actually didn't see each other for two years at one point. No way. And you were in a relationship for those two years? Yeah, yeah, we were still together. But this is like before smartphones, before FaceTime. We didn't have any of that. And he was still working on ships. So it was tricky. I don't know if I told you this, but he came to see me after two years of not seeing me, came to Australia. I've got full body goosebumps, yes. And and you're like hoping you still like him. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) he came and the third day he was here, he proposed to me. (gasps) I didn't know that. You haven't told me that. Oh, well, there you go. In Darling Harbour, yeah. And did you say yes? Yeah, I did. I said yes. So you hadn't seen each other for two years. You're on your third day of like being back together Mm. and he proposes. Yeah. We'd oh been my together gosh, that's amazing. seven years at that point. So, and yeah, I said yes, because he was the love of my life. Oh, that is so beautiful. Yeah, but then he had to go back on board and finish his contract. So that was a bit sad. Yes, yeah. Anyway, and then, yeah, he moved here. And so, yeah, once I decided to move back home, I was still dancing. And there's not a lot of work here for dancers. So I was doing club gigs and I had an agent, got a few cool things and worked for Nickelodeon, which was really good. And then, uh, and I was also teaching for a friend of mine who had a dance studio. And that's when I sort of went, hmm, should I do this myself? And I did, but I didn't know what I was doing at all. Yeah. <laughs> so step us through the, the kind of decision to start your own business. So you're teaching for a friend and saying, oh, actually I'm doing this. Mm. You know, it's pretty, well, not easy, but it's, you know, it's manageable. I can do this. So why don't I just do it myself? So what was the next step? Like, did you go and start rechasing spaces? Because I know a lot of people who listen to the Bold Darling show are probably in that position where they're thinking about starting their own thing, but haven't committed yet. So mm. yeah, just step us through those kind of early days decisions. I know it's hard sometimes to go back because it feels like you've always been doing it now, but what were the first decisions that you made at that point? Yeah, no, I remember thinking while I was teaching for my friend, oh, wow, you know, there's 20 kids in a class, they're paying this much per person, he's making this much money. That's how 
some of my parents now think. And it's yes. so far yeah. from the truth, which is so funny. So I went in thinking that, oh, I'm going to make so much money, just get kids in classes. But while I'm thinking that, I was also researching locations. And where I lived at the time, it was just flooded with dance studios. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to just walk in there in a world full of dance studios. So yeah, I just went through the newspaper and I found a studio for hire. And I just called them and said, can I just casually book the studio while I try and get this thing started? And they said yes. And it was kind of towards the end of the year. I think I had about six weeks of just running some classes and just trying to get people in That's a great way to test it out, isn't it? To test that demand. It's almost like, yeah, yeah, it's it's real-time market research, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I I did do a business plan. It it was very rough. And honestly, I don't even know what I put in it because I didn't know anything about business. Yeah. Not (laughs) What did I put in that plan? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I love the story of, I'm trying to remember his name. It's James something. He was the founder of Antil magazine. I don't know if it's still going or what it looks like, but he, he was on the speaking circuit in a big way a few years ago. And he said he wanted to start this magazine and he had gone to his mom to ask her to borrow money to start this business. And she said, well, I want to see your business plan first. So he wrote this business plan and shared it with her. But he had never done a business plan before and she had never seen a business plan before. So <laughs> it was like the blind leading the blind. So she saw this yeah. business plan, went, okay, cool, and gave him the money. And yeah, the rest yeah. was history from his story. But yeah, so good. Yeah. So you you trialed it. Obviously, it went well then in terms of that, the casual booking of the studio. You got the bombs on seats. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a slow build. I think once I finished that sort of end of the year out, then the next full year, I had about 60 students by the end of the year. And a lot of it was word of mouth. We did some flyer drops, you know, old school, walking in the neighborhood. Local area marketing. Yeah. My mum was helping me at reception because she had sort of, as I was growing up at dancing, she'd done some reception work as well. And, you know, she loves it. She's a dance mom, loves it. She's a dance mom. And just give us a bit of an orientation. When was this? What year did you actually open the studio for reals? 2006. Right. Yeah, I'm just doing, yeah, that's right. A very different world starting a business back then versus now. When you think about the, I was interviewing another guest for the show recently and she started her business 22 years ago. And I was just saying the barriers to entry will be so huge in terms of now we've got zero and we've got Stripe Mm. and we've got all the e-commerce, the the tech is so accessible now. I mean, that's, you would have had a landline. (laughs) I didn't have anything. I had no tech. Forget about yeah. it. I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have, you know, I had the old school receipt book. I had the cash yes. tin. Yes. There was no online payments. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different world. Another world. And how did you find that first year in business? I think I did everything. So I would have found it challenging. I can't remember exactly. You know, I wasn't, I've had, you know, the past few years have been way more stressful than my first year in business. That's for sure. Mm. But I did everything. So I taught all the classes. I just sat at the desk right until classes were starting and back at the desk after class. And I was just doing a lot. But I think when you're young, you have a different sort of energy. And so it doesn't feel like it's a lot. It doesn't feel like it's too much. It doesn't feel like, you know, I shouldn't be doing all of this. It just feels like this is what I have to do and Mm -hmm. I'll do it. So, you know, I think I just got on and did it. And, you know, I did have the help from my mom and I had support from my family who were amazing. But yeah, it was a lot to do. But having said that, there's way more involved now. So if I was starting a business right now from scratch, I think I would be probably a lot more overwhelmed, a lot more stressed yeah. than I was. I think I just yeah. took it in my stride back then and just got yeah. on with it. And the stakes are low. 
you know, yeah. like right now you're obviously in a, an established marriage. You've got a little boy now. You've got mm. staff. You've got a lot more students. You've got a lease on your commercial property. You yeah. know, it's a lot more involved than it was back then. Yeah. So tell us about the kind of finances. So when you start a business, obviously there's a lot more that's kind of under the hood that we don't even realize that we need to figure out in terms of the money side of things. How did you find managing the finance in those first couple of years of starting the business? I didn't really. I just, (laughs) oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Basically money came in. I thought that was my money to use for myself because it was my business and it was just me. So whatever came in, I was able to spend. I could Mm. spend it on, I could pay bills. I could spend it on studio expenses. I could spend it on groceries. I could go shopping for myself. So I wasn't paying myself, but I thought I could take the studio money. I thought that was mine to spend how I wanted. Yeah. yeah. What structure did you, was it a sole trader business? Yeah. Sole trader. trader. Yeah. Yeah. And I will just say to you, my dear, I've obviously spent a lot of time with different business accountants over the years and interviewed a lot for shows like this and different mentoring groups that I've put together. And I will say that that is the number one mistake that accountants say people make in the early days of the business. I think Mm. that the business's money is their money. And this, you know, I'll take 20 grand out of the business here. I'll take three grand out here or 1500 and not kind of thinking, oh, I need to put that money back in. Yeah. (laughs) You you get that tally at the end of the month, at the end of the year when your accountant does your tax and you're like, oh, fuck, did I really take that much out? (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds so stupid now, but back then that's what I thought I could do. Mm. I didn't know any better. No Yeah. You just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. So you touched on there about paying yourself. So were you paying yourself a salary from the early days of the business? No, no way. So you would just take money out kind of as and when you needed it. Yep. And did that get you into trouble? And I don't mean like landed you in prison trouble. I just mean money stress trouble, like the 2 a.m. sweats like I talked about earlier. Yeah, look, probably. I think it was always a case of money in, money out, nothing left. So I was always just operating at that plateau. I was like, oh, there's plenty of money coming in. I can cover all my bills all my expenses all my shopping. I could cover everything. So I never got myself into debt. But yeah, it wasn't. I just didn't even think that I should pay myself because I had access to all this money from the studio. (laughs) Why would I pay myself? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. 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 That makes sense. Mm. So when we talk about the financial turnaround that you have had, so you and I, as we just touched on briefly, worked together one-on-one. It was the, oh my God, of course, it was the very start of COVID. So I think you started working with me in February, 2020 on like a three-month block on my power quota mentoring package. And then COVID hit and then... (laughs) It was almost like the plan you had for doing the work with me changed very, very quickly because then it was, how do I keep my business going during COVID? Can we just touch on that actually, just before we kind of dive into the financial turnaround? Because I know I am fascinated. I feel like with COVID, there was like two very distinct camps. There was either the businesses that absolutely boomed as a result of COVID. So one of my mentees, longtime Mm -hmm. peeps has an an e-commerce business and she just killed it. Another one of my mentees has an e-commerce business as well, just killed it during COVID in a good way. And then I think there's the other camp, which was it, they were like really, really negatively affected their business. And I think you were in that camp, having mm. a dance studio where students came every day in person. I mean, yep. can you just touch a little bit on what you had to do in the early days just to keep the business going during COVID? Mm, yeah. So we obviously had to move to Zoom classes. Mm -hmm. I could have completely stopped classes, but I needed money to keep coming in. So I had to fight for that. So we tried to get all our students straight over to Zoom. We didn't get all of them. We got about 50 to 60%. Mm. I was sort of tracking it every week and it was up and down because kids would start and then they'd pull out or they'd start a few weeks later. And it was just, 
yeah, it was very irregular. And I tried to cut prices. I cut costs for my families to make it easier for them, to make life easier for them. But it made life harder for me, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I did have staff at that time too. So they were teaching on Zoom. So they still had to be paid. There was just a lot. So yeah, we were definitely affected in a really bad way. By the second lockdown, we had increased our numbers on Zoom. We got to about 80% of our students decided to go on. What a win, Tamara. That's huge. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, but that's because we had learnt. We'd put in the effort. I remember sitting in your place, mapping out some ideas for what to do when we were talking about doing different events on Zoom for the kids Mm. and just coming up with different ideas. So I implemented I think I suggested like a frozen dance class. Yeah, and we did that. Very heavily influenced by Lexi, (laughs) her passions. (laughs) And that's perfect because that's my demographic. Yeah, yeah. So we did things like that. We did every Friday evening was a Zoom disco with a different theme. Mother's Day, we got the kids to do hair and makeup on their moms, which was amazing. And, you know, just that creative flair that you brought to it. And I actually remember you going out, like you were trying to figure out like the... AV of how this was going to work because obviously you can't be sitting in front of Zoom like this and you were like Mm. getting your AirPods and you had it all nailed. So I just want to really give you, I guess, a very public hat tip, my love, and recognize you for keeping your business going during COVID because, I mean, I'm assuming you've heard of dance studios and similar businesses to yours who just didn't make it through, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm completely closed. Good on you. And, you Mm. know, imagine if you just had to set that first lockdown, oh, I'll just cross my fingers and just close the business for the moment. And then when the second one hits, like you were ready to go, like you put in the hard yards in that first one. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's what we could say to our parents second time round, because obviously we had some newer kids come in. Yes. We were able to say, okay, we've got this. We know what we're doing on Zoom. (laughs) This is what we're going to offer. Join us. And yeah, and a lot of them did. So Yeah, I've always got that visual of, you know, that emoji, like the nail painting emoji where it's like, yeah, "Yeah, cool. I'm just here painting my nails. Like that. I feel like that's your vibe going into the second lockdown in Sydney. Totally, totally. We've got this. Yeah, in the first lockdown, I was doing most of the teaching and I'd have my staff sort of on the Zoom, but watching what I did because I felt like I knew how to engage the kids. I'd done a lot of work for Nickelodeon over the years. So I yeah. was hosting. Oh my God, I just connected the dots. Of course. Yeah. Yes. So, so I was on stage with the characters and Dora and always working with preschoolers. And I did some pretty amazing training through Nickelodeon. So every time we had a new show, we'd go into the offices and we have a full week of rehearsal period and we'd have people telling us how to talk to kids, like preschool experts. Yes, yes. I was able to bring all of that. So that's why I did most of it the first time around. But because my teachers were there watching, I handed it to them the second time. So second lockdown, I was doing my thing, cooking. I was on this whole clean eating plan, cooking three times a day. I remember I don't cook. Yes, yes. Huge win. And I'd hear the classes going and I'd just pop in every now and then and see who was there and say quick hi and and I didn't have to do it. So I made my life easier and, yeah, it was just a whole better outcome second time around. And I think that's kind of the added potency of the financial turnaround that you have experienced in your business because you did navigate two lockdowns as a bricks and mortar business teaching kids. Yes. So for anyone who's not like who doesn't follow me at the moment on Instagram, I love doing like a tap to tidy where I've got like the before of a cupboard and I take a photo of it. And then I post it as an Insta story and I, I caption it tap to tidy and then you tap it and then it, the next image is the after. So it's all beautiful and tidy and like 
Yeah. I'm such a nerd. I love like looking back at my own tap to tidies and going like pretending like, oh, wow. Like so pretending I don't know what the next picture is. <laughs> so can you give us an idea of like, what's the before of this financial turnaround? So just give us almost like the tap to tidy version of what was life and the business like in terms of the finances before you've had this turnaround that you've had. Mm. I'm just picturing like just a huge mess. So think, you know, one bank account, mm-hmm. everything going in there, everything coming Sorry, out. Sorry, one it. bank account for you personally and for the business, like it's all yep. in one? Yeah. All in one. Yep. yep. So everything goes in, everything comes out from there. Yeah. Just that, it, it just feels to me like it was just this huge mess, but at the time it didn't feel like a mess. It just felt like. Well, it just felt like your norm, I guess. It's like, norm, well, this is yeah. how things are done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas now, well, I just have- stay with me for a second because you're skipping to the top to tidy. So I'm getting this visual of almost like it's all your bank accounts, all the money in, money out. It's in a big blender and it's just like press the blender, like bzz, it's just all whizzing around together. And you're just sitting there going, probably not even realizing why it's so confusing because that's all you know, essentially. Right. Any other kind of befores that you want to share with us? I think also from that was me questioning why can't I afford to pay the tax bill when mm. it comes in? Where's the money? Where's the money? And that whole thing when you, you know, you see the accountant and you see, oh, yeah, you've made this much profit. Where is it? Yes, yes. How do I not have that? What have I done with it? So there was also that feeling of I started to understand then that I was doing something wrong. So then I had the guilt and then I had sort of that feeling of I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not Mm. worthy of having this business. I'm not a businesswoman. Yes, the inner mean girl kicks in in a massive way. And I think there's so much shame attached to the money side of things as well, because we all feel like we should be doing it better. But if no one's taught us how to do it, you know, it's not like we just pop out of our moms when we're born and all of a sudden we've just got this innate skill on how to manage business finance, like it's and even personal finance as well. So Mm. what was the catalyst? Why did you make some changes? The biggest catalyst was actually COVID. It was the best and the worst thing for my business, I think. I had tried before COVID to start paying myself and I'd do it for a few weeks and then I'd be like, I can't afford it. So I'd stop and then I'd start again and stop. And it would be small amounts, like $250 a week, Mm. things like that. But then I couldn't always afford to do it. So it had to stop. So by the time I, yeah, when I went to see you for my mentoring and told you that I don't pay myself. and What was my face like? Oh, I think you were like, was it disgust? Was it shock? Was it like horror? Oh, it would never be disgust. I was just, (laughs) you know what I thought when you told me you hadn't paid yourself really properly since the business was started? I just felt really sad for you Mm. because you worked, and you still do, work Mm. so hard in your business. And I couldn't imagine how that would make you feel working so hard. And just remembering, you know, a few years ago, you were taking your little boy, you would pick him up from school, he would go to the studio, you would have packed his dinner, like the whole family was working in the business. And you're working weekends, you know, Mm -hmm. working your absolute tail end off. And for me, when you told me that you hadn't paid yourself properly yet, I just had this sense of like, sadness for you that you weren't getting that sense of fuck yeah like that money's in my bank account because I worked for it like you weren't getting that sense of fulfillment and achievement and then also just absolute awe that you continued to show up day in day out like you did even when it wasn't translating to your bank account it was like you were doing it out of this beautiful altruistic genuine love of what you do and I just had this sense of like can you imagine when you actually start paying yourself and like there's cash coming in just for you from the business like life-changing yeah and you're so right you've captured exactly 
how I feel about it because our mission at the studio is, well, our tagline is creating friendships and confidence for life because mm-hmm. that's what I got out of dancing. Yes, yes. You know, my best friends were there and that's how I got out of my shyness. That's how I gained confidence and that's how I was able to be a performer on stage mm-hmm. as a, you know, my professional career. So that's what I want for my kids. And I don't want them to go off and have professional careers. I actually just want them to be enjoying what they're doing at the studio, building friendships and building confidence. Mm. And so that's why, and I try to really instill that. We accept all kids because, you know, some parents will email me and say, well, you know, my daughter's seven, she's on the spectrum, she's this, she's that. Will you accept her? Of course Mm. we will. Of course. Why wouldn't we? You know, we are... We're open to everyone and we have all different abilities in classes and it doesn't matter. Mm. We are able to create something special for all those kids, you know. Yeah. And so that's what has kept me going. But also there's, you know, when, when there's no money in the account and you've got to pay a bill, it's really hard to be motivated. Oh, yeah. You know, just sure. the difference. And then, you know, suddenly the next day a big payment would come in and my motivation level would just... Yeah pop up yeah. again and it was just downs and ups all the time yeah it's really because remembering you know up. and I really like to think about this is money is just I don't want to be little money I know it's incredibly important and powerful money equals energy like it's money is it's energy in motion so I will pay you Tamara to take Lexi and Wilder you know and, and teach them dancing that's the money exchange I'm giving you the only way I can give you my energy is you know financially is that money and then you then perform the task which is teaching our kids dancing yeah So if we think about it, that the money is energy, when there's money in the bank account, we've got that energy, we've got that motivation, we've got that get up and go. But when it's the opposite and our bank account's in the red or we've got debt in our business, like it's the opposite. We feel like we have no energy and no motivation. Oh yeah. So you said COVID was the catalyst for the turnaround, yeah? Yes, it absolutely was. So I had learned about Profit First before COVID. Yes. So, And I know that you do Profit First. I'd learned about it actually in January of 2020. I went to a two-day dance studio owner conference and they spoke about Profit First Mm -hmm. and I was intrigued. And so I started to work out how to implement it. Then COVID hit. Yeah. And then I sat down with Claudio, my husband. husband. Yes, the husband. Yep. And he said, okay, we need to work out how many kids we need on Zoom at the low price that we're charging them to be able to pay you, meaning me, and to cover, you know, the basic expenses. We'd negotiated a lot of things, so we were able to get a few months of rent for free at the studio because we weren't there. But he told me, he said to me, you have to get paid because I had, he was actually at the conference with me and had, you know, learned about Profit First. But, yeah, so what we did, I implemented Profit First right then in COVID, but only with my wage and with the tax because mm-hmm. I couldn't really afford to do much else. There wasn't a lot of money to play with, but I thought if I've got the tax money and if I'm getting a wage and I'm starting to pay my bills from that, yeah, it's okay, nice into we're it. onto something. So that was the catalyst. So it just started with a, a small wage, enough for me to cover my expenses throughout COVID. Yeah. And we figured if we can do that during COVID, then we can do it when we get back, even yeah, better. For sure. And so, yeah, and that's yeah. how we slowly moved fully into Profit First. So just if anyone listening isn't familiar, so Profit First is a book. It was originally a book that was written by an entrepreneur called Mike Michalowicz. 
And it's a whole philosophy whereby you pay yourself first, essentially. So rather than hoping the profit is still in the bank account at the end of the month, instead you have a certain percentage. So there's almost like a percentages allocation that you apply in your business every month, and then you set aside that money. So that's a very, very, very simplified version of it, but brilliant book. And in the Bold Darling group last year, as part of Money Month, we had a Profit First. We had the CEO of Profit First Australia come and teach the group how to implement Profit First in their business. So tell us about the tap to tidy. So we tap and there's the after. What's the business finance looking like now? So I've gone from having one bank account to about 10. Yes. (laughs) Which sounds messy, but it's so clean and tidy. It's so clean, I know. Yes. So um, yeah, everything just feels like it has a place. You know, like the books on the shelf have their place. The money all has a place. It has the different accounts it has to go to according to their allocation percentages. And there's a massive sense of relief with Mm. that because the tax money is always there. Yeah, The expenses are there. My pay is there. The teacher's wages are there. The profit is there. But having said that, I've started with a really low profit percentage. But that doesn't matter because it's there. The profit is going into its own little account and we will increase that as we sort of work it out a little bit better. So, but I did that with the help of a profit first bookkeeper as well. So I've had her for just over six months. Yeah. Brilliant. And so I really want to touch on that sense of relief that you feel like how has it changed your energy, your mindset, your focus within the business, knowing that you're being paid, the tax money is there, the teachers can be paid, like just that everything is sorted. Yeah. How, how do you feel in yourself? It's the best feeling. It feel It's just a real sense of clarity. So, you know, when a bill comes in, like those tax bills every quarter, mm-hmm. I don't have to have the whole panic attack and, you know, get all depressed for a few days while I worry about where the money comes. It's just like it comes in and I can pay it on that day. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Best feeling. <laughs> yeah. So it's a real sense of clarity and it's just knowing, you know, that the money is there for whatever it needs. So I even have accounts for buying costumes for the concert or, you know, buying... So that's a bank account? Yep. (laughs) Merchandise, like everything's there. And, you know, if my teachers come to me and say, oh, we're low on, you know, props for Ready, Set, Dance, I can just go into the merchandise account and go, oh, yeah, I've got money. I'll just buy them now. Nothing. I don't really have to wait for the money to come in anymore. It's it's where it should be, and I can do things pretty much straight away, which I couldn't yeah. do before. And you know when you wait, you're waiting to pay a bill, and another bill comes in, and then another, and it's all building up, and then you yes, just get to the point yes. where you're like, how am I going to pay all of this? And I was, I mean, I've gone through profit first where I've taken from some of my other accounts because mm-hmm. I wasn't quite at the right allocation percentages, so I've had to steal from, you know, the tax account to pay an expense. I've kind of done the muddled version of it, but... I think I told you this, I always paid it back. <laughs> so mm. if I took money from the tax account for something, I'd pay it back because yeah. I just had that sense of like a bit of guilt that I've taken, you know, I've stolen from that account. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's gold. It's amazing. And how does it change your outlook on the business in terms of what you can see yourself planning and doing and achieving within the business now that you've got that really solid foundation, almost like that security around the money that you you know it's in place. How does it change your perspective on where you're going and what you want to do within the business? It gives me inspiration, I think, and it gives me like a bit of power, a bit of knowledge, just thinking, just knowing that I can go so much further. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the beginning of my actual business journey, you know, 17 years of the studio, but it's only been the last two, three years that 
it's a business. Before yes. that, it was more like, it's my hobby. It's just floating along. And it was floating. And even at the point where we had the same number of students year after year, you know, we'd lose some, we'd get some, and we always hovered at yeah. the same student number. And then all of a sudden last year, student numbers went up, you know, finances went up mm. and yeah. And it's just knowing that I've got so much further to go, but I know I can get there. And mm. so it just gives me that hope and that, what is it? It's a bit of excitement as well, I think, Yeah, you know, yeah. that I know I can reach the other goals that I've set for myself. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things I just want to observe from what you just said, that I think what can happen sometimes is when we're, you know, in that blender mode, like you are. So maybe for some people listening, it's also the finances and maybe it's their teams not sorted, or maybe their own personal organization isn't sorted. When we're not on top of our shit, I think the universe sometimes looks at us and goes, why would I send you more work? Like, why would I send you more students? Or, you know, for me, more bold darling members and more mentees, or why would I send you more people who are going to buy your beautiful pot plants? Like, why would I, you're already maxed out. You're already overwhelmed with where you're at right now. (laughs) So I think there's so much power in getting our shit sorted, like almost like tidying up our side of the bed and getting that sorted. Because what happens then is a couple of different things happen. One, as you're experiencing, you've got a lot more peace when it comes to the business. So your mental calories aren't being wasted worrying about how you're going to pay the bass at the end of the quarter. Instead, it's being devoted to, okay, what are the new revenue streams that we can create? Or what are the extra like fancy flourishes that we can make to the next performance for the performance group? So I think there's that, like it elevates the kind of thinking we're doing on our businesses. The second thing is the universe looks at us and goes, okay, yeah, Tamara's got her shit sorted. I will send her. You know, there's no mistake. It's not a coincidence that you sort of started to sort out the business finances two years ago. And then last year you you had your biggest year yet. And, you know, I'm talking to you each month in the Bold Darling group sessions and you're like, yeah, we do our biggest month ever. And, you know, you're just on fire. And it's because you've put in place the foundations to, to do that. And the other thing I just want to observe to you as well, and I'd love to know if you agree with this. I know for me in the past, when I've been really stressed about money in the business or either businesses, first or second, it puts so much pressure on my relationship with Wade because I'm really stressed. I can't connect with him properly. And he wants to come in and help, but obviously he doesn't work in my business with me. And it's just this, it's kind of like this journey that I'm trying to figure out on my own. And I don't really kind of include him, you know, I haven't included him in it in the past. So I think it just, everything's better when we're sorted. Yeah, it's so true. So true. I think the only time Clara and I ever really have little arguments is usually around money, but it's more around, you know, if I say I can't pay the tax or sorry, when I used to say I can't pay the tax, he'd say, why? Where's the money? Mm. And he would question me. And then I'd have to try and defend myself. Then with him. Yes. And then it wasn't until he sat down and uh, because we are business partners now, have been for a few years, so the business is a partnership. He doesn't dance, <laughs> thank the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, his background is audio and, and he's really good with social media and marketing, things like that. So he does all those kind of things. But I got him to sit down. I said, can you please look at the numbers? Can you please look at my expenses? Have a, Like you need to understand what's going mm. on. So now that he's done that and that we can talk about I'm not afraid to go to him and say, mm, a bit low in the tax account, you know, like, whereas before I dread, like, oh my gosh, I've got to tell him that I can't pay another bill. Yeah, yeah, and now yeah, it's yeah. just like, it's open and yeah, he knows everything. I don't have to hide anything because it's all sort of, you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the beauty of what you're doing as well is that the finances are sorted and yet you are working less in the business than you've mm-hmm. ever worked. 
Yep. You know, it's not like you've you're at you're at the studio day and night, 24-7, trying to, you know, make the cash in order to maintain this. Like you're actually working in the business, like you're on the business time has just escalated so much. It's brilliant. Yeah. So can I ask my love? So there's going to be people listening to this podcast who are like, oh my God, I'm the before. Like they're visualizing where they're at right now. They're like, I'm the blender. I'm not paying myself consistently, or I'm not paying myself enough, or I'm not paying myself at all. And they're feeling really overwhelmed about where they're at with the finances. What's one thing you would want to go back and say to Tamara two, three mm. years ago? And equally what you would say to that, those people who are listening right now, who are in that that's that position where there's just no light at the end of the tunnel, like they're just feel like they're drowning with the finance and they don't know how to get out of there. What would yeah. you say to them? I think you need to know that it's not too late. Yes. My yes. business was in the blender for 10 plus years. Yes. And then when I decided to turn it around, you know, I could have thought to myself, you know, I have thought I should have done this at the beginning, but you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So by the time I knew what I needed to learn, I was able to turn it around. And yes, it was, you know, more than a decade after I started the business, but yeah. it doesn't matter because now, you know, it's working and I'm, you know, reaping the rewards of doing that. So don't think that it's too late for me or, and also don't think that you don't have the right type of business because I never felt businessy because I had a dance studio. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not in an office and I'm not, it was just felt like mm, people don't see it as a real business. It doesn't matter what people think. Every business is a business, you know, and funnily enough, we have such a big community of dance studio owners now that there's specialized mentoring groups and memberships and things that you can pay to be in. And I've also, I've done that and I've learned a lot that way as well. So yeah, I would definitely say it's never too late to turn it all around because you 100% can. Yeah. 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 Uh, Can I add something else to that as well? I think something that you do brilliantly, I just said this to you towards the end of last year, is you're such an implementer. Because I think there are quite a few people who will sign up for the course or they'll commit to working with the mentor or the coach or whatever it might be. And they feel like just, but it was like, you know, when someone joins a gym, just because they've joined the gym, they feel like they're going to the gym, but the very big yeah. difference between signing up to go to the gym and actually going to the gym. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so much power in actually educating yourself. Cause I think the thing you said as well, Tamara, and I know a lot of us say this is, oh, well, I'm just not a business person. Like I'm not good at this. But the thing is, we haven't educated ourselves. You know, just like you, I've spent an absolute yep. fortune on business coaches and mentoring and programs and all the things because I want to learn to be better. And I think business is one of those areas that we just assume we should just be figuring it out. Like, why would we leave it to chance? Like, invest in educating yourself and, you know, whether that's joining Bill Darling or whatever it might be, like, invest in educating yourself. But don't just feel like by investing, you have done it. You need to actually show up. And tomorrow, that's something I see you doing. You're one of the best show-uppers in the Bold Darling group. Like you do the work, you show up, you implement, you feedback, you ask questions. So I think there's a lot to be said for implementing as well. So not just assuming, oh, I'm just not good at this and throwing in the towel. It's, well, invest in the help, implement the help, and then decide whether or not you're a business person. <laughs> yeah, No one's definitely. born a business person. Everyone's got to learn. It's just everyone learns on yeah. different trajectories. Yeah. And at different stages of life, you know, I'm mm. 45. So, you know, it wasn't until 11. My, <laughs> Close my mind. <laughs> in my 40s was when I started making my business a business. So, mm. you know, some would say, well, it's just way too late. Like, you know, but I would say, well, this is the beginning of my new chapter. Mm. And yes, I invested a good, decent amount of money into memberships and courses. Mm. And I don't 
see why you would spend that much money and not do the work. There's a reason why you decide to join that course. So follow through, do it. You know, and I fall behind sometimes. I try not to, but you know, when life gets busy and the end Mm -hmm. of the year was crazy for everyone, but I put aside time to catch up because I kind of feel like I don't want to miss anything. Mm. I have real FOMO. (laughs) If I miss a bold darling session, it's in my notes to go back. And that could be from November. I have got one from November that I've got to catch up on. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to catch up on that. I'm not leaving it there because it could be something in there that is really important for me. Yeah, yeah. That could be the game changer. Yeah. If I get one little nugget out of a session, that's fine. Like, you know, you don't have to take it all in because I don't, I can't take in a lot of information at once. I just don't retain it. But if I've got one thing that just clicks with me, amazing. Yeah, you know, which I think Profit that. First was for you, you know, when you did that two-day yeah. event. And then also we revisited Profit First last year at Bull Darling. Like yep. it's just that one thing. There was one more thing I wanted to say to someone who's in that situation as well, is that you have been on this journey for two years now. It's not going to be something that happens overnight. It's not going to change overnight. Like you said, you didn't nail your allocations straight away in terms of those percentages each month. You've had to fiddle it. You had to tweak it. So I just want to say to anyone who's in that position right now as well, it's the small steps. Like it's like you said, you started with the tax account and your your compensation account and went from there. So I just want to reassure people as well. It's not like you need to turn the whole, it's not like they need to do what you have done in the next 60 days. Mm-mm. It's a slow, slow burn. But I think when the motivation is there to feel like you feel right now, Tamara, and just even as an observation, you and I spent quite a bit of time on Zoom together over the last few years and your poise and your groundedness in yourself as an entrepreneur, it's there in a way that I haven't seen it in the previous years. Mm, like it's really amazing you. to see. It's shifted. Your whole energy has shifted as a result yeah. of doing this financial turnaround. So I just want to say to anyone listening that it's not going to be an overnight thing and that's okay. What you want to do is you want to be X percent better than you are last month or last year and just starting that turnaround gradually and not expecting an overnight change because it's not going to happen. And then you're going to feel defeated and, you know, chuck the whole thing in the can. So, yeah, absolutely. um, Thank you so much. Is there anything you feel like we have missed? You've been so generous and yeah, just so you. It's been so good talking Mm -hmm. to you. Do you feel like there's anything we've missed in terms of your journey or what you'd want to say to anyone else who's going through this experience, has been through this experience or is going through it right now? I think you're right. It definitely can be a slow burn. I mean, if it happens for you overnight, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us how. Come back and talk to the talk (laughs) to me on the show. (laughs) But I think the slow burn brings with it the most rewards. Mm. And it gives you the encouragement to keep going further. So where I am now is great. It's not the best that I can be. It's not where I want to be. I have a long way to go. But, you know, even last year, so I started Profit First, you know, roughly two years ago. But then last year I invested in Bold Darling Mm -hmm. and also a big international dance studio owner membership group. And, you know, that was a huge expense, the dance membership group, big expense. I paid up front for the year. And then just a few weeks later, you launched Bold Darling. Yeah, I remember you saying, I've just joined this thing, but I also want to do your thing. Yeah, and I was like, there's no way I'm not doing that because you get different things from different groups and different mentors. You know, so I've got the dance side and then I've got you as the business and the life and the whole blend of everything. And so I get different things from different people. And I think that's so important. And yeah, the investments can be really big. But, you know, you put in the work, you implement and you get the rewards. And yeah, it can take time. So, you know, even joining the dance membership group was it was in about March, February, March. I didn't see my the growth in my student numbers until term three last year. So let's say July, August. Mm, You know, but I had three, four months. Yeah. 
yes, I was putting in the work and I'm learning things, still learning things, but you learn and it takes time to implement things sometimes. They don't just happen immediately. So you've got to be patient and you've got to be kind to yourself and you've got to trust yourself. And then when it starts to happen, it gives you the momentum to keep going. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like going to the gym, isn't it? You start to be able to lift heavier weights. You start to see a difference in your body. You're like, okay, I'll keep doing this then. Yep, (laughs) totally. So, yeah, so just, you know, you're in for the the long haul, I would say, but it's definitely worth it, you know, and anyone can do it. If I can do it, if I can turn around where I was to where I am now and where I want to be, honestly, anyone can because it was my finances were such a mess mm. and I wasn't in debt, like I said, but I just didn't have anything and I didn't, you know, I was always stressed about money and it was yeah. just messy. The whole thing was messy yeah. and now it's clear. There's clarity. You know, I'm not a million-dollar studio yet. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And yeah, you know, but I'm happy with where I've landed mm. and happy with, you know, how we're going to go this year. Yeah. That's gold. And I think the thing to remember then as well is that you're saying it's the investing, but it's also the the showing up for Mm -hmm. those investments. And yeah, it's not going to be an overnight thing. But I think I often wonder, you know, when we're in that like panic mode about money, particularly over a sustained period of time, almost like it's chronic, you know, where it's been Mm. years and years like it was for you, just the impact on our nervous systems, you know, just our physiological systems. And just talking to you now and just how calm you are, how focused you are you know I think it's a really good thing to do for our health as well is creating these financial turnarounds for ourselves as well because it's not good for our bodies to be in that sense of hyper vigilance and worry and stress and even panic sometimes about money as well so yeah it's pretty much you've got everything to play for like all the benefits are there and pretty much none of the drawbacks so it's just starting small getting some really good advice and some good support like people Mm. who will keep you accountable and take care of you during the process Start small, be consistent and keep the big vision and goal in mind, like yours, you know, the, the million dollar studio. Yeah. That's and it. just remembering that the universe isn't going to send us more abundance if we can't deal with what we already have. Like It's not happening. Yeah. So totally. we need to create the space and this solidness in order for our businesses to grow and for the universe to see that we're ready for more. Yep. Thank you so much. I can't wait. I almost just want to get you back in a year's time and go, okay, now what's happening? (laughs) Are you a million dollar studio yet? A million dollar studio (laughs) is happening. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining Tamara. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Lorraine. There she is, the brilliant Tamara Scamperlini sharing so generously about the financial turnaround that she has created in her Sydney dance studio. If you would like to connect with Tamara, you can find her on Instagram at Tams Camp, so T-A-M-S-C-A-M-P, or you can connect with her business at vibes, V-I-B-Z, dancestudio.com.au. Please do remember that next week, the show up, my free three-day personal brand experience is happening. So you can register for that at bolddarling.com forward slash show up. And I'll also be opening doors to Bold Darling over the next week and two weeks as well. Sending you lots of love. Thank you so much as always for joining me for this week's episode. And I look forward to coming back again next week with our next episode. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss an episode. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions and requests for future topics on what I share here on the show. So please do reach out via my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au or connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor. I would also love if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps even more brilliant listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much again for listening this week. Bye.